Hey guys, welcome to the Katie May Show. I am Katie May. I hope you are ready to keep it real and talk all things marriage because that is what I do. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey in the pursuit of having an awesome marriage and accepting nothing less for this one and only life we get to have here together. Let's do this. Okay, I try to get, I try to keep it up and like current on my phone so I can like keep questions rolling if there are any, but we'll see. This is a last minute surprise <laughs> to all my members. We have a very special guest today and I am so excited to have her today because we get to hear an amazing story and I have honestly never heard it from front to back, I, like, or from start to finish, front to back, <laughs> from start to finish. Yeah. So um, for those of you joining and you're new to the group, welcome. If you are watching on YouTube or listening on podcast, I am Katie May. I am founder of the group Marriage Empowered. For those of you who are watching live, welcome. And I am the uh, CEO of Katie May Coaching, and I am a marriage and relationship coach. So I am going to let my guest Lydia here announce her, well, introduce herself because she's going to do a lot better job than me. Lydia, tell, tell the beautiful people who you are, what you're, what you're all about, because you have a podcast too. I do. Hey guys, I'm Lydia Santos. I am a boy mom and a certified teacher, but I've left the classroom. I homeschool my boys now and I work for a top podcaster. I have my own podcast and it just hit the year mark and super fun, super exciting. And I'm so glad that Katie finally has a podcast too. <laughs> I was trying to convince her for a while and uh, she's doing awesome too. So thank you guys for letting me tell my story today. You're so sweet. Uh, first of all, um, homeschooling. Mm -hmm. how, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a walk in the park. It's very different from the classroom, but I love the freedom that it gives us to do things on our own schedule. And my husband thankfully works from home too. So sometimes I'm like, I'm tapping out. <laughs> like, we Good. sometimes have to tag team on some things, but that yeah, is amazing. Totally. That is amazing. So ladies, those of you who are listening, yes, it is totally possible to do that <laughs> with your husbands, tap out and let them take over. I know a lot <laughs> of you struggle with that. Not saying from personal experience or conversations I've had, but yes. So that's awesome. No, I, um, I commend you so very much for, uh, first teaching and then also homeschooling. Cause that is just not in my wheelhouse. I was a stay at home mom for three years with my son and my husband just kept trying to like suggest me take on another kid. And I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> No, that's just not me. It's, it's not, it's not my skill set. Yeah. So, um, we do have a, we do have a few eyes. If you guys are watching live, feel free to ask questions. If I can, I will read them off live. We'll try to answer them right off the cuff. Um, uh, Lydia, I'd like to really just kind of dive right in here because, uh, the reason I had you on here was your, your podcast is called the jar, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And so with your podcast and the posts that I see you, um, post in your community. What remind me of what the name of your community is? Uh, Christian wife and marriage on in Facebook. Okay. 
And so I've seen just some amazing posts. And recently you posted um, a story like from nine years or 10 years between yeah. your, and anyways, it was 10 years between like you guys, like buying your first home and then you had separated and almost divorced and mm-hmm. yes, all of the amazingness that, and now you are reunified and doing life together. Yep. So that in an, in short. Yeah. That's the nutshell. <laughs> tell me all the things. Tell us all of the things. Yeah. Now for the long story. Um, we were, I would say, I would say high school sweethearts. We had crushes on each other, but we didn't date until college. I was the goody goody. And he was kind of the, he wasn't a bad boy. He was a good kid, but into some of the things. And he just knew like, it might not be a good thing if we dated in high school. So, you know, time went by and we reconnected. We're both army brats and um, we met overseas in Germany in high school. And both our dads were stationed back in the States and we just found each other and just realized now's the right time. So we had, we had started dating back in 2004. Okay. And, um, we dated for about, well, five years until we got married because we were in college. He went through cancer and had to long, long, long journey. Um, finally we got married and then marriage just wasn't what I thought it would be. (laughs) I think you know, we all kind of walk into marriage with some kind of expectation. Maybe we're aware of what we think it should be. Maybe we aren't. Um, I remember for me, it was, this is going to be the thing that rescues him from what he's going through post-cancer and going through some stuff with family and going through some things, walking out of cancer with, you know, pain med issues and We just thought, okay, let's start fresh. We're both military kids. We know that when we move, when there's a change, it means start over. It means leaves everything behind and we can pretend it's not there and let's start fresh. Um, But I don't think we realized how much our own things were going to, you know, like baggage be brought in. And so it was probably the first six months seemed great. Um, at least in my mind, I was working, he was finishing school post-cancer stuff because he had had to drop out earlier and he was finishing up. So I was earning the money at the time and about the six month mark, uh, just, I don't know, things shifted. And I found things coming out of me that I didn't expect, um, like yelling. Um, I did not grow up in a yelling household (laughs) and um, that just started coming out of me. And I remember one moment there was a puzzle on our table that at some point we would work on every now and then. And I just remember pieces flying. Like I knocked it off the table and I'm like, who am I? And who is he? And what is this, (laughs) you know, wake up call. So, wow. Yeah. That was a very, I mean, I would not say it was explosive all the time or an angry sort of dynamic normally, but there were moments and there were things that came up, um, that were surprising. I, I think, and I want to, I wanted to stop real quick with that because you hit on a really important key that I hear a lot of people say, because when we talk about our past and how they affect us, the thing that just caught my attention was 
uh, I didn't grow up in a yelling household, right? But then I'm here I am finding myself yelling, like almost like an out of body, you know, mm-hmm. like, like who, who is this person? This isn't who I am like right. realization. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like a lot of people are like, well, because I came from it. So I am that right. And even in this situation, and that was actually very similar to my husband and I story in the sense of like, I never saw my mom talk back to my dad, let alone yell at him. And I would, and I would yell and I would, you know, be nasty to him verbally. And I was like, who is this version of myself? So I just, that resonated so deeply with me. Thank you for sharing that. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to admit those things. And at the time it was definitely something I hid Yeah, and it was something I was, I didn't know at the time. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll probably talk about this later with some of the questions, but I did not realize at that moment that it was pride that was rooted in me. It oh, was nice. things have to be a certain way. We have to be top notch. We, ha- we have to pretend like everything's good. Things have to be right. I have to fix this. Self-righteousness and pride was something that I didn't know was there, but was there. Yeah. So, yeah. So you had the wake up call of puzzle pieces flying. Yeah. And what happened then? Well, then we were pregnant with my first son and, you know, all of those types of things that could have potentially, um, you know, been handled and, and it was just kind of swept under the rug and we had a new thing to focus on again, change, leave things behind. Right. Mm. So we had my first son and I was still teaching and he finally graduated a couple of years later. And then by the time he graduated, I left teaching, stayed home for a couple of years and we moved and he had a job and I was the stay at home mom now. And I don't think either one of us were prepared for that. I, again, assumed I would be like my mom. She was great at it, at least from my perspective, she loved it. And I did too, but there were things in his, in his, in his upbringing of what a woman should be doing. And you know, those types of things. And I, we didn't, neither one of us knew at the time. And I I know he's okay with me saying this. Um, he wasn't diagnosed with ADHD till about five years into our marriage. And so for the first few years, it was what's going on, (laughs) um, for both of us, he, he would get so frustrated. I would get frustrated. I would, and again, pride and self-righteousness and just army, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I took over things. I got it. I'll handle it. I'll step up to the plate. But little by little, what I, and I'll kind of get into your first question that you had given me, my contribution to this cycle between us was, I ask you to do something or you say you're going to do something. I wait. It doesn't happen. I get frustrated. I step in, I do it. And then I resent. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure no one here can relate to that. <laughs> no one, none of you. This on sarcasm because, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I just did a, I just did like a little like story today on that exact same thing. Right. Like, yeah, my, but we my don't realize thing is I've, I've got this. Like he said, that's his cue to me is, oh, do you have it, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it's a joke. Yeah. Like, thankfully we can joke about some of these things now, but at the time, mm-hmm. again, I wasn't aware of my contribution to it. It was all his fault. 
Um, and maybe here and there, I would understand that I was controlling the situation, but someone had to, right? Like there had, there wasn't any other choice. And I was already used to that dynamic in college, you know, group projects. I was used to it just as a type A female and frustrated with where that didn't fit in in society type thing. And so when it came to our marriage, it was normal for me. It just started that whole spiral of little tiny seeds of resentment taking root and growing angrier by, you know, the year. Um, yeah. And it, it wasn't healthy and it started to, to eat away at my heart and my responses toward him. Um, and that made him not feel safe to open up to me to admit things or to, or to come to me about stuff. And we learned in one of our, which I'll get to later, but we learned in one of our courses we took later, uh-huh. It's called, it's called, um, don't be a weenie. <laughs> it's, um, an acronym for, um, the, the ways that you handle conflict. W is uh, withdrawal. E is, um, what is E? Uh, oh, you are, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting E. N is negatively interpret. I is, um, wow, I'm really not remembering. Oh yeah. The, the interpreting part. So it's like, we, we each have these tendencies. Um, oh, he is exploding. So we have these, these reactions, these ways of handling conflict and his natural tendency is to withdraw or avoid from conflict. And I'd rather just hash it out, but he, um, I'm laughing because it is frightening how similar our dynamics are. <laughs> it's a female thing. I don't know, but some of it I'm sure is, yeah. but yeah, but I, we've got some avoidant females too, for sure. Yeah. So it was, I, I just kept coming towards him and Later on, I understood this visual that I f- God kind of gave me in the healing portion of this story of a seesaw. And, you know, when the two people are in their right places, it, it's balanced. But when you start coming toward the middle, the other person falls down or they back up, you know. So if you're out of alignment and balance and I felt like I kept coming toward him and he kept backing away. Um, and so that that cycle just just led to kind of a big traumatic event and time and ultimately leading to us separating. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had a a follow-up question there. Well, how long, uh, how long were you separated for? We separated over a hundred miles apart and we separated for about seven months physically, well, physically over a year, seven months was divorce papers were on the table we had our separate lawyers. We were sharing the boys back and forth on weekends. And I was seeing a counselor and, um, you know, mentors and stuff. And then about seven months into it. And that thing you said about the Facebook post, um, God works with dates with me. Uh I don't know why they just stick. And the one in that post was April 20th, um, of the year we split was the day that I left and April 20th, um, about four years later, um, we bought our first house. So there's just so much irony in that to me. And God knows me. That's wow. So get this though, (laughs) (laughs) the day that we reconciled that I, I say is the beginning of it is because he finally was like, 
Okay, let's see if this is really going to work. He was finally more open to it. Um, was the same day that I wrote about him in my diary in high school that there's a super cute kid that I had a crush on. <laughs> like, I don't know, at this point, it was 15 years later. I don't know. It was just God speaking to my heart, like he's in control and he's going to, you know, guide this whole reconciliation process. That's, that's insane. That is so cool. Like, yeah. If that's just not like the coolest sign. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Ashley, uh, Ashley's watching. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. She says, I am that avoidant female and my husband is the confront confrontational male. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So there's usually one of the two, right? Yeah. And it's, it's really rare that you'll find like two avoidance and two confrontational. Like it's usually, we kind of, that, that's the saying opposites attract, right? It's mm -hmm. like in the beginning when you're dating and everything's really low conflict and everything's just meshing and wonderful, like you don't ever have to deal with that. It's more of like, oh, how spontaneous of him or her and yeah. oh, how persistent of him, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then you're married right. and you're dealing with this conflict and it's a whole nother thing. So yes. Um, but for the most part, I find that most women will be the ones that will communicate, like will initiate communication. Cause that is a natural tendency for us. Right. Right. We communicate to connect yeah. and men are usually like, yeah, see that whole talking, that whole sharing feelings thing. I'm just going to go away. Cause I don't, so they retreat. That's where the man cave came from. But you know, what ended up actually being worse than that dynamic was when I decided it wasn't worth it when I decided it wasn't worth it anymore to keep bringing stuff up and I withdrew and I got quiet and I gave up the communication. Cause what's well, the point? Uh -huh. And then we were both just like this facing yeah. complete opposite. Um, and nothing was dealt with and no one, neither one of us knew where the other one was at. I'm so glad you said that too, because there's that famous saying, and I think it's Dr. Gottman that talks about how marriages don't go out with a bang. They mm -hmm. go out with a whimper mm -hmm. because when you guys still care enough and there's still enough feelings between you two to actually have the energy to fight with one another, mm -hmm. not that fighting is great, right? Like it's not, it's not, not there. There's a, there's a constructive way to do conflict, but if you still are fighting the chances of you guys still having, that means you guys still really care. You still really love right to your point. You almost got apathetic. Like you turned off. Apathetic is the perfect word. Um, and with that is isolation because mm -hmm. you're isolated from each other, but then you're also pretty much isolated at least for us. And probably for a lot of you guys too, is isolated from anybody else. You know, it's short answers. It's, yeah, we're good. It, it's the I'm fine thing that you're not being vulnerable. You're not opening up either to each other or to friends. And then nobody knows what's really going on. And that's recipe for disaster that I didn't know until we had community <clears throat> later on was like, oh, like we're supposed to need people. We need people to know what's going on. Um, I grew up in a very I mean, it was a great upbringing, great family, but it was also a very, um, we cover everything in love and we deal with our issues kind of in the home. Mm -hmm. And then we also moved so much that no one really ever got to know us very well. 
And so we just got used to not being open and vulnerable because those people are going to be gone anyway. That's a really good point. Yeah. When, when did you, when did you say like, as far as community, like when did that all kind of come to a head for you? So that was actually during our separation, the, um, one of my college friends that was halfway between where we were living from each other. Um, she's, um, her family, uh, has a church near where we graduated college and she knows us both. They were a part of our wedding. They sang in our wedding 10 years at that point or six years at that point prior. And so whenever I would drop off the boys, I would stick around and go to church there and just get prayed over. Um, and no one really knew all the details of all of it, but they loved on us anyway. And then finally, when we decided to move back in together, I was like, that's where we need to be is right there. We need to move in that little area, go to that church and be with these people because we both experienced people who we thought were our friends walking away. We yeah. experienced, you know, going to a big church. No one knew us. So it really didn't matter if we showed up or not. And this was different. This was, there was no shame. There was just love, which is what the church is meant to be <laughs> is a healing place. And for the first time in both of our lives, we're going on year six of being in one place, third house, but one community. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's so powerful. Like to talk about just the realness that you found in that church and that community, because you're absolutely right. Like people have, and in any belief system, you know, there are good, there's good and bad. And there, I do believe so many people have turned the church into something completely not what it's supposed to be. And so that's, that's a whole nother podcast, but what, what you're saying as far as just community is knowing that there's the right community. Cause my husband and I experienced the same thing. Like we had, um, we were even part of a good community within our church. And when we got into probably our worst times, like it was just because also we, we didn't have that accountability. Right. And mm -hmm. our families, it, everything was like kept under the rug and everything was like, you know, yeah, we're fine. Or, oh, they're fighting again. That's just Katie mm -hmm. and clay, you know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Nobody, yeah. nobody really, um, knew to the degree of what I was really facing. Cause I also didn't really want to, I thought I was protecting him. I thought I was mm -hmm. protecting us as a married couple. Right. And, exactly. and that's, I'm sure like maybe you experienced some of that. Well, yeah. Cause especially cause we dated for so long to then go through things that we hadn't really faced for five years, I wanted to save face of who I chose. And it's a bicultural marriage. And, you know, with <laughs> those expectations and upbringings and stuff, um, yeah. my family toward him, his family toward me, there was, you know, we didn't want each other's families to think certain things. And so there's just a lot of, um, of that dynamic as well of hiding. Right. And to your point, some of it is with the best of intentions. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the, it's you, you don't want to like spread it all over the world for everyone to hear. You do want right. to be mindful of the community you are confiding in, right. Because not everyone is going to be on your side. And right. that's a very important thing is for your point was they were, they didn't know all the details. They just met you guys with love and prayed over you guys as a relationship. Right. And it's like finding that community mm -hmm. that would be like team you guys versus 
her, you versus him. Right. And that's the thing it was, it was not picking sides and it was us getting the truth in love. It was them coming to me separately, them coming to him and not trying to convince us of any certain outcome, but really trying to help us see our parts in it. Um, and just what's going to be the best thing for us individually in our walks with God, you know, so it was a lot of work. <laughs> was there like a defining moment for you? Like, was it like during, and well, like, I mean, I will just start with that. Like, was there a defining moment where you were just like, oh, like, this is my part. Like, this is what I've been causing and doing in my marriage. I would say it was a few moments that maybe I I caught glimpses of. And thankfully, God was patient and persistent to make sure I got the message. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One was um, I was driving to go drop the boys off or coming back. I can't remember now, but it was on a highway that is always under construction. And I was looking for my exit, couldn't find it. And, you know, detour sign. And the second I saw the detour sign, it was this thought that the Holy Spirit gave me that was God is not deterred by this detour. He's, and he gave me kind of this visual of you guys have made these decisions and you guys are going through this detour but the outcome is still going to be in his plan. You might have to, you know, when you're like, I don't know where I'm going. So you're like clutching the steering wheel and you're like looking really carefully and like, where am I going? And, but you're avoiding pitfalls. You're avoiding danger zones that you can't see, but there's cones around it and stuff. And it's for your protection, but he's still in the end got his plan in place. So that was one just kind of me driving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just kind of me realizing, like, I'm not the one in control as much as that's part of what my problem was. Um, And then another one was um, at two 30 in the morning and I couldn't sleep and I'm praying over him and like, God, please. I was praying the Ezekiel thing of wake up, wake him up. Don't let um, him sleep, bring the dry bones to life type thing. And he texts me, which we were not in on good terms then. And he was not communicating with me, but he texts me like, I can't sleep at that moment. So I'm just like, okay, God is dealing with us kind of like when little kids are fighting, you put them in their separate corners, like just stop fighting. Like you, I'm going to deal with you and you, I'm going to deal with you and me, you need to get out of the way because God is dealing with your husband's heart. Oh, that's so powerful. That's huge. So it's like those little Mm -hmm. What maybe some people write off as ironic, it's God trying to show me, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can explain it however you want. Right. But if you pay attention and you do have a relationship with God, Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll, he'll straight up speak to you. That was probably like the most intimate I ever got my relationship with God Yeah, in in the moments that like my husband and I were at our worst. And my story was with me white knuckle clutching my steering wheel. Stop it. <laughs> That's why I said, why is it always when you're driving? Like God's just like, I'm gonna speak to you in this moment because you're alone. <laughs> yeah, maybe no kids not around. Attention. Yeah. Um, no, but the um getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's that's really powerful because to your point, 
and and I don't know I mean some of your some obviously some of our stories are sounding really similar but I was very controlling too and it was it was just such a like god moment of like you like you aren't in control like you think you are but like yeah. you're actually making things so much worse for <laughs> yourself <laughs> and, and and again it was just like oh my gosh like you're totally right At, to your point it's like we think this is this massive thing that's totally just where is this going what's the story behind it what's the narrative what's going to happen and he's like yeah i already know like <laughs> you're just not paying attention cuz you're too busy trying to figure this out and fix it yourself yeah exactly and i mean i think the rest of it came with consistent counseling. I went to a Christian counselor because I was like, what, what is happening? This isn't who I am. This isn't who we are. Uh Everything up to that point had been pretty straight and narrow for me. And this was like an undoing of just everything. And you know, those moments in your life where you're like, this is going to be, this is going to leave a mark. Yeah. It's going to be a story I don't want to tell down the road. I'd rather just keep hiding things or, you know, for just forgetting that it's there. But man, it was, it's almost the minute that my husband was like, okay, let's see what, if we can fix this. I was almost like, oh crap. Now I really <laughs> got to do the work. <laughs> like now we really have to work. Like I had just gotten to the point where I was like, all right, God, whatever you want to do. And like that moment of surrender, he's like, okay, (laughs) because, you know, at that point, the easy way out would have been divorce. And I'm not saying that's always the easy way out yeah, by any means, but for us, it would have been, and this was going to be work. And so, yeah. I, I love that you said that because I know so so many, you know what? And I think even on a, on a level for me, when we talked about reunification, it was like, um, I was skeptical, but I thought because of everything he was saying and how much work he had done and how much work I had done, I had felt like, Oh, like maybe this, this could just be easy. This could just be better, you know? And I love that your mindset was like, crap, like now (laughs) the work's going to start. And honestly, that's so true. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so he, he pursued the reunification. Well, I had been consistently working toward that with like, okay, let me handle whatever is going on with me and my, you know, um, issues that I brought in my things that I've caused the damage that I had done, the pain that I had caused. And I never wanted divorce. It was kind of just something that we felt like it, I mean, he pursued it. And then it was just something that I kind of accepted at, at one point. Um, and then he finally was like, okay, let's see. And then the, we did not move right back in together. Cause I said, you know, before we were over a hundred miles apart, the boys were in school. Um, one of them was, and I didn't want to force anything. I didn't want it to be the same location as before. I wanted it to be around safe people, that community, but all those pieces weren't figured out yet. And I wanted to move when God told us to. And so it wasn't until, so that was in November. That wasn't until, um, June, we moved back in together and I was like, 
we have to do things differently. We either are coming back in with counseling or with this class re-engage that we um, we took, which was life-saving. And then we, since then, have become small group leaders for three years for that class. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, teachers learn the most, right? So we have five workbooks because we've now been through it a total of five times. So it's like it's taken five rounds of that class, which is a 16 week, four month long thing. <laughs> so, you know, 20 months worth of it um, to really utilize the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of our language now. It just cr- has created a whole different dynamic and awareness that should have been there in the beginning. I, I love, but I love that you said like teachers learn the best, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. like you, it, I think to a lot of people, I always try to be as real and transparent with everyone that I still have. We yeah. still have crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I can, I can have an outside view on anyone's relationship. Right. Because God's given me like the insight and he has definitely given me a gift to be able to see that in people's yeah. dynamics and their relationships a lot because of what I have walked through, but yeah. by no means, like, is my relationship is exempt from struggle now because we still have life. We still have kids. We still experience trauma and change and there is still conflict. Right. Right. But because of the tools and because of what we've walked through and everything we've learned, the work comes into play. Whereas before it would, the work would go out the window and tempers would, you know, fly. Whereas now it's like, Oh, we are going to handle this better this time. Yeah. And you're more aware of what your tendencies and reactions are yeah, and how to take healthy breaks and respond instead of react. And we use some of those terms of like, of what I referenced earlier of actually, I feel like you're, oh, I was invalidate. I knew it would come to me. Um, I really feel like you're invalidating me right now because, you know, um, and a lot of those terms now are natural, um, healthy triggers to make us stop and go, Oh, wait, I know how to do this. Oh, I really am. And just kind of, um, in the class, it talks about drawing a circle around yourself and just fixing everything in that circle, whether you're married or single or separated or divorced, whatever your part is in anything, you can only control what's in that circle and changing that. That, and that's, that's huge too, because I mean, that's, that is the essence of my work. Like I, t- I, when I work with women, they come to me and they're like, but how, why, like, why don't you work with both of us? Right. Like he needs to do his work too. And he needs to, he needs to all. And it's like, I, you, are you going to force him? Are you going to change mm-hmm. him? Cause mm-hmm. believe me, yeah. Like I wanted to, <laughs> I'm like, right. what well, wife doesn't. Right. But I think yeah. in like this process and what I'm hearing you say too, the biggest message we get is we honestly think we know how like to fix the situation in our marriage. We know how, if they mm-hmm. should, could just be a certain way. And that is such a massive distraction of really what's going on with us internally. Would you agree with that? Well, it's, it's the verse in real life of why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own first take that old thing out and then you can, you know, and even so if you know what the right thing is to do, yeah. even yeah. if you know what the right thing is to do, 
okay, yeah. well, he still might not choose the right thing to do. What are you going to do about it? You know, how well, are you going to handle that? If you're, if you're really intelligent and you're, you can be really manipulative almost to the point of where you're like, yeah, but see his spec is causing me to be this way. Like that was what yeah. I was really good at. I could justify mm-hmm. it's like any coach or a counselor really had to call me on my BS. Cause it was like through yeah. the roof. Like I believed yeah. it. <laughs> Yep. Like what? I can't see it. <laughs> oh, well, of course I acted that way. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Uh, right. That's, that's why I asked for like that defining moment, because I like to your point, I think there was always like a few like moments along the journey. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is so interesting to kind of have those light bulb moments of like, oh, I'm causing this. Like mm-hmm. I'm not giving myself enough credit for the damage I'm doing, you know? Right. Exactly. So moving forward, you guys decided to do the work and yep. reunify what's, so what has that looked like moving forward? Again, you touched a little bit on the classes and that you're teaching. And so you're consistently saying engaged in a community, you're helping other people in their like disciple other mar- marriages. Yeah. So that, that class kind of took a break when 2020 hit. Um, and we're hoping that starts back up. And in the meantime, we are still every other week meeting with our community group where, you know, it's the same four couples it's been for years now. And we really are practicing that open, you know, communication. We are, we've kind of given each other permission to quote unquote, call us out. It's more like, Hey, how's this really doing? And we can be vulnerable and open with them um, in a way that they can then speak truth into us and go, okay, well, have you done these things, you know, to do? And it's, it's not excusing anyone. It's not, um, you know, the unhealthy friendships that speak, you know, you deserve better or anything like that. It's constantly pointing back to biblical truths and that's been healthy. And it's been us, um, being more open and honest with even family, you know, (laughs) I can tell this story because I think I told it on my podcast, but one time we were, um, just maybe, maybe six months ago, we were going to my mother-in-law. She lives like an hour away and I was in a really cranky mood and he'd done something to make me mad. And I was still mad about it getting in the car. And, you know, he did the the guy thing of, are you really going to, are we going to go and you're going to be like this still? I was like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to go back inside. Y'all can go. And the, the previous way of dealing with that was, oh, she has a headache. She's, she's not feeling well. She's not coming. I texted my mother-in-law. I was like, I'm not coming. I'm sorry. I'm really mad right now. Just letting you know. And she's like, he shows up. She's like, what'd you do? <laughs> but you know, it's no longer just pretending even with family when things are happening, we didn't have to tell everything. Right but it's just being more real and that's okay because my fear of perfectionism isn't, doesn't have as much of a hold on me as it used to. I love that. Yeah. That speaks to me in a big way. (laughs) I know a lot of women in this group too, Mm because that's, it's, it's a, it's a powerful hold and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a sneaky one, right? Like, um, and especially like for me, cause I'm, if you looked at my life, uh, you wouldn't think I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> well, you've experienced a little bit of this, Lydia, just yeah. scheduling a podcast. 
<laughs> I'm like all over the place. I'm like, um, and uh, it's so funny because, but, but there was definitely uh, marriage for us was like a, uh, for me, it was like the bond that I always wanted. Right. Like, again, I, I grew up in a great home and stuff, but for me, my, my relationship with my husband, like had to be this perfect example of what God wanted a married couple to look like. And then when it was not that it was my, to your point, I think too, is just that whole pride. I had no idea how much of my own pride I was pouring into that. Right. Like, and superiority off the charts. It's pretty destructive and it's, and it's has the facade of I'm the better one. Mm -hmm. I know what the right thing is to do. And the right thing to do is okay because it's the good thing. It's what God would want. It's, and it's almost, yeah, it's damaging because it's not leaving any room for mistakes and, or showing any grace or anything. Grace. Yes, absolutely. I had to learn a lot of gray, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of gray area. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say looking at where you're at right now, would you say that the separation and divorce was necessary in order for you guys to truly achieve what you have today with one another. Yeah, I, I know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't get divorced because you guys didn't get divorced, but yeah, pretty much almost. Um, yeah, I don't know if the word necessary is, is there, I, I think it was allowed to happen. And I just did an episode with a friend where, you know, we talk all about like, God will allow certain things to shatter us to wake us up, to let us like realize things. And this was Pandora's box of all of our crap just being laid out on the table. Like now, what are we going to do? There's no hiding now. There's everyone is watching this whole mess play out. And it almost took something that big for us to finally get it. So I can see how, you know, sometimes as a parent, you let your child walk through something, even though, you know, it's going to hurt them. Um, when they're little, it's something maybe simple as scraping a knee, but when they're older, it might be something worse and you know, it's coming. You've tried to warn them. They haven't listened. So learn the hard way. And so I kind of understand God more as a father that way of, he maybe allowed this to happen so that he could really, truly make it about him. Um, and fix us how we needed to be fixed. Um, I don't necessarily think that it was necessary if we had paid attention and obeyed earlier. I think it was a consequence of our choices, the way that it played out. Um, It definitely was, we definitely used it. And I feel like I used it as an opportunity to really fix some things because I, I didn't just go into this separation like, okay, peace out, good riddance, I'm moving on, or, you know, not use that time wisely. There wasn't going out and doing things that made it even worse. It really was a time where I think you can use that time well. Yeah. You know. Well, to your point, when you say use that time, I mean, you went and sought counseling Mm -hmm. and you said you were always moving towards reunification with him, Mm -hmm. but he was the one who was not, was persistent in staying separated and pursuing divorce. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And there were multiple reasons for that. There was a lot of anger and hurt on Mm -hmm. both our ends. Um, and 
I guess a lot of it was also family upbringing. And even for me, still pride, which is why I said when it was finally I surrender it, God's like, you're going to work on it because I had, I think it was the right thing to keep moving toward reconciliation from a distance, you know, just kind of always having my heart softened toward him, even if it wasn't like actually making anything happen. Um, Because I grew up in a family of, you know, pretty good marriages. And so I always wanted that, but it was probably in the beginning because I didn't want divorce to be in my story and have that shame. I didn't want, you know, so in the beginning it was out of fear and still pride and all of that. But in the end it was God, you know, telling me that's what it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and, um, so the, the one thing too, that I really kind of want to leave listeners with who's, who could be walking through a hard spot in their marriage right now, what advice could you give them? What do you want to leave them with? If they're, if they're separated or if if they're separated, if they're feeling hopeless, if they're feeling like they're heading towards that direction, you know, what, what advice would you give them 2020 hindsight, you know? Yeah. I would say the biggest pieces I took out of it that would be helpful are to not hide it, um, to be vulnerable and open, but you know, with the right people, because it really did make a difference who we surrounded ourselves with and who was pursuing our overall well-being and not just what the society says, you know, there's bigger fish out there or any sort of cliches that encourage you to pursue something that's maybe not biblical. Um, or even if it's just not what you want. So if you're just kind of hiding in the shame of it, find someone that you can be open and honest and vulnerable with that will help you work through something like that. Um, and then the other thing is kind of what we've already talked about is really dig deep into your part in it. Um, I understand that there are situations where you feel like you didn't have a part in it. It was the other person's choices, which is why you're there. And that might be very true as far as the, the acts, um, committed or anything, but you still have healing and can only control your reactions. Even now in a separation, how are you going to handle when the kids are being dropped off with them? How are you going to handle when he, you know, smack or talk smack about you? How are you going to handle it when he, you know, is saying really ugly things? Are you going to retaliate? Are you going to go out and make things even? Are you, you know, like there's still only things that you can control and you should be focusing on your journey of healing, um, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, that's like perfectly said. I, I think I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine too. And it was very much in line with what we talked about earlier was that Mm -hmm. realization that it was like, Hey, whatever he's doing, this is not me. Mm -hmm. Like when I felt myself so out of control that I was becoming a version of myself that was not truly within who I wanted to be that should have been my first wake up call. And that was years, years before Mm -hmm. our separation, right? Like you said, that whole pencil piece incident happened before you guys even had kids. Yep. Yep. And I think it's, it's a strange concept Mm -hmm. to think, well, when you're married, you become one and it's, you're unified and you have to function that way. And it's weird to think about, you have to function outside of the unity, but you still have to be unified. (laughs) It's like, how do you work towards unity when 
you're separated. I mean, it's all about, there was a good analogy of visual that maybe I'll leave you with is um, a triangle Mm -hmm. and you're both at the bottom points and God's at the top. And if you're you know, a believer, then you'll, you'll understand this, the stronger that your individual walks are with God, the closer you are with each other. And if one of you isn't, or you both are, then you're much further apart. And so you can at least be working on that vertical relationship, um, with God mm-hmm. and praying for, for your husband as well. Um, but really that's, that part's up to him, but you're at least working towards that for your own good. And then ultimately for the good of your marriage, if you do reconcile. So yeah. So powerful. Thank you so much, Lydia. Your story is amazing. And I know it's encouraging so many people in this group. And then of course, with your podcast, um, tell everyone where to find you, uh, and your podcast so that they can subscribe and download there too. Yeah. It's, um, it's just the jar podcast, um, on any platform or bitly bit.ly the jar podcast. Um, and we talk about similar things and we get real and honest with things too. So um, I'm prayerful that together we are <laughs> helping women to, you know, honor God in their marriages and just be whole. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of your night. And guys who are watching live, thank you. We appreciate you so much and hope that, hope that this, uh, this helps encourage you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. I know in such a busy world right now that there are so many things pulling at your time and vying for your attention. So the fact that you're willing to spend it with me is truly an honor. And for those of you who are wondering how you can get involved with me and get more of my content, please feel free to join my free Facebook community at Marriage Empowered. You can also follow me at Instagram at Marriage Empowered. And if you'd like to book your free consultation call, you'd like more information on how I might be able to help you in your life or marriage, and you'd like to know more about that information, feel free to book your first free consultation call with me by going to my Facebook business page at Katie May Coaching LLC. And of course, you can always hit me up on the DMs. Thanks again so much for tuning in, you guys. And all of this information is also located in the show notes. Have a fantastic rest of your day and I hope to see you back here soon.